This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. Well, hi, I'm Troy. I'm, um, I'm a consultant in the metrics and the forecasting space. And I guess, you know, the question you always get is, how do you describe yourself to your mother? So uh, when my mother was alive, she said, I don't know what you do. And at first I sort of said, I help people move post-it notes and avoid paper cuts, a la Kanban. Then I sort of said, what do I do now? I teach mathematics, simple mathematics to executives. This is a series with Troy McGinnis, Man of Metrics. And today we have a special guest. Peter Minowski, I'm a technical coach um, helping teams do things right. And I'm interested in how to achieve that balance of doing things right against doing the right thing and doing things sustainably and that quality. So I'm interested in Troy's way of approaching metrics. Peter and I had a conversation recently about sustainability, and, and you, you brought that up, and I, I'd be curious to dive in on that a little bit. How would you measure if a team or group of teams is operating sustainably? There's a couple of sort of measures, and it's the one that, I mean, I don't like people. Like, I love spreadsheets, <laughs> I love numbers, and I really <laughs> like sort of people. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm the sort of the the nerd, the stereotypical sort of nerd. So even as in love with numbers and metrics as I am, I'm the one that's most promoting the fact that unless we know that the people doing this work are operating in a way which is sustainable in the future, it doesn't matter what I measure yesterday because it doesn't represent tomorrow. So it doesn't have any predictive power or forecastability usage for me to do. So even when someone as Asperger's as me says, you need to worry about the people, you should listen. (laughs) And and this is one of those metrics that if you ask the team or the team members, and they already have a built-in barometer about whether they feel the future is going to be sustainable or not. So if you're not doing anything, anything at all, you know, sending out an anonymous survey at the end of each week, sort of saying thumbs up or thumbs down if we're operating too fast or too slow, extra points if you give us a comment as to the reason why you think next week is going to be slower than this week. So that's one thing that you can do. Now, if you are tracking the trends of the metrics, you will sort of start to see that a team that isn't operating in a sustainable way will have huge sort of fluctuations in trend it won't just sort of be declining universally. What will happen is small destabilizing factors, one person being out on vacation, one person being sick, will have an over-accentuated effect on how it changes the team's, the team's performance metrics. So you, you sort of want to measure teams when they're under stress to see how they respond. But we don't have to generate the stress. It's normally generated on our behalf by someone doing an unplanned work or a production outage or something like that. 
But I particularly want to look at the metrics during those periods of stress and just sort of see, does, this, does the team and system collapse or does it just degrade a little bit? Uh, and if a team not operating in a sustainable way, you will see much more accentuated collapses around these stressful periods of time. Teams which are operating in a sustainable way, when they get near production, operate the same way they were working at the beginning of the project. Teams that were under stress collapse and get, they don't. So the one I look for is, are they keeping up with like a steady rate of fixing defects, finding and fixing defects? And the first thing that gets thrown away when a team gets put in an unsustainable pace is they stop finding and fixing defects. They start prioritizing story work over the top of defects. So I look at the, the percentage of defect ratio and sort of say, is it steady? I don't want it up. I don't want it down. I want to know that they're consistently paying off their their defect debt throughout the project. So I'm looking for the easy, simple things a team would stop doing when they're operating in an unsustainable way. So would it be fair then to classify, because sustainability is kind of a touchy-feely, like yeah. I know when I see it kind of thing. So would it be fair to say that sustainable team is the one that balances those competing forces of, you know, do it right, do it fast, you know, do the right thing, do it predictably. So let's say if you measure all of those dimensions and they're steady over time, then you have a sustainable team. That's the intention. So over time, you can sort of see that none of those metrics are fluctuating wildly, even when the team is under stress. Why do we want the touchy-feely sustainable team metric? Selfishly, it's to make sure that we know that the other performance metrics are stable, not likely to fluctuate hugely high or hugely low, which enables us to make decisions using them about what those values will be in the future and allows us to make changes to improve them over time. So, yeah, unstable in those other five dimensions normally is an indicator that you're not operating at a sustainable pace. So, yeah, it's a very good insight. Yeah, it's I've not found a case where the team itself hasn't already known it and already been saying it. So your job when putting metrics in place is to help other people see what the team already knew. So the sustainable metric isn't so much a metric for the team level. It's to sort of point out the fact that we're being forced into a situation where we're going to collapse soon and we're going to not perform like you want us to when it's not our fault. So um, the other metrics are normally in the team's control. The sustainable metric is normally something that needs intervention elsewhere. And that is – so often I get brought in as a consultant to do metrics and the teams are going, oh, no, they're going to measure our performance again. And I had to pull them aside and sort of saying, this is not how this turns out. Two things are going to happen. We're going to see that every team in the company sucks and has an adverse trend in one of these metrics. So no team is responsible for it. It's a policy and a system issue. And that's going to be 80% of what I'm going to uncover. If every other team in the company has a positive trend in these metrics, or at least is keeping treading water and staying equal in these trends, but your team is declining in one, we'll have a private conversation about some decisions you've made that mean you're in an adverse direction than the rest of the organization. So first and foremost, I want to use these metrics to find the system issues. 
not any any single team issue. I want to know what what changes to make that affect multiple teams and improve multiple teams at once, rather than just blame any one team. And that is the low hanging fruit of metrics. It's not about the team at all. It's about sort of measuring all as many teams as you can in the in the organization and finding where all of them are tanking. What I appreciate about your answer is, okay, a lot of times when people think about the touchy-feely things about sustainability, they're, they're, different managers are going to have different viewpoints, and it's based on the loudest noise that they recently observed or heard. And so they have this, they're, they're biased towards responding to that loudest noise because, you know, as managers, they want to they want to show that they're controlling something and they're helping something. But sometimes that's not, you know, it's, it's, it's completely anecdotal. We don't know if the, what the whole system is, is undergoing. So I, so I like the idea of the survey. I also appreciate that you are going directly to the point by asking people, are you happy? Which is counterintuitive a lot in, in IT people. IT people want to find like some kind of very objective way to measure it so that they can somehow derive if people are happy. So those are two things that I, I appreciate there. Now, maybe there's a way to derive it, but I, but I don't know. It's probably going to miss the point. If you were able to derive it, you've got to look at the, the metrics that you would capture would be slower moving than asking people. <laughs> and uh, so, um, yeah, I too would love it if I could measure it explicitly. But my problem is, is in the search for a more leading early warning sign that in the future this is going to decline, some metrics people can't explain why yet and it hasn't happened yet, so you can't measure it. So you've got to sort of take the leading indicator of uh, whether people, even if they can't state why, have a shared group opinion that something is going to happen. Metrics and charts is about getting more people to understand the actual state of play, the actual state of the system. What's happening without a chart or without metrics is that there's inconsistent opinion about what's happening. So your job when visualizing data is to put a line in the sand that everyone can then discuss and agree or disagree with. Uh, and the more concrete the data is, the less they can sort of disagree with it. But if you've got a group of teams and all teams are sort of saying, we're moving so fast that we don't think that we're going to be able to get the release after this stable in time, that is a very different problem that needs to be heard. And that's sort of where you need to uh, get people to to call out. Because the number of times I've been in an executive meeting and they sort of say, I say, what are your best teams? And they all sort of say, oh, this team's a 10X team. Oh, this team's awesome. This team's fantastic. And I sort of uh, show up the chart. I sort of said, not on quality, they're not. <laughs> not on predictability, they're not. You're looking at their throughput or their velocity and how loud they talk and that they're made up of 50-year-old white males that scream a lot, right? I mean, these... That's not the factors of a 10x team. A 10x team is actually also worrying about these other factors. And everyone on that team's unhappy and about to leave. So you're screwed anyway. Why you sort of think that they're a 10x team? They were a 10x team now and yesterday. They will not be a 10x team in the future. And that's what you need to manage. And that's how that's why the survey questions maybe come in. You've got to blend the two together. Uh, you take every bit of data you can and asking people is it's a starting point to know where the smoke is.
Agile Grande teaches you systems thinking through dramatic storytelling, such as Carter takes a job to improve a logistics company's adaptability, but efforts to scale agile practices are being blocked by Mr. Chernesky, a vice president who's organized the company into siloed pigeonholes in order to secretly make millions with a dark web shipping service. Carter's life is in danger. He goes underground and a spy agency hunts for him. When Carter uses systems thinking, systems modeling, and organizational change to save his company and his life, you get to learn how to apply that to your organization as well. Get your free copy of Agile Grande at leanpub.com. Are you enjoying the episode so far? You know what would go with this episode really well? That would be some show notes. You've never heard of show notes? You know, if you're using a podcast player, they show up right inside of your podcast player for easy tapping. You just got to scroll into it. Now, if you downloaded this from a website, go back to that website and you will find on that webpage the show notes. And there'll be links back to Troy's company, the link to Troy's repository of Excel spreadsheets for tracking metrics and all kinds of good stuff. So find those show notes and you will find that cool specific content. If you're enjoying this series and you're like my friend JT and you missed episode 167, which is the the first episode that kicked off the series with Troy McGinnis, go to your favorite search engine and type in Lancer Agile Thoughts Archive and you can find episode 167 there. Next episode, more Troy McGinnis. Errors in spreadsheets are hard to spot. I mean, there's been a number of financial disasters based on uh, forecasts that have been given to the SEC and so forth, which have turned out to be just typos in spreadsheets. 